0: Michigan. who like to talk about the law in a fun and entertaining way. Um, My name is Kate. I'm Melissa. And this week we're talking about April Mm -hmm. (laughs) Fool's. I'm excited
1: for this one. (laughs) I am so
0: excited. So one of my um, clearest memories from like the first week of law school is um, our, must have been, I think he was our pro professor, Professor Long. Mm-hmm. took us all out to eat in like small groups and we went across the street to like the pizza place well,
1: yeah is there
0: anymore circa but
1: oh that's a bummer i
0: had flats on um, draft flats beer and just all this old school beer and they had glass mm-hmm. grilled cheeses too but they only Ooh. served like pizza and grilled cheese soup that sort of thing but that's yeah me. um so anyways he would take us all in, out in small groups and just like kind of welcome us to law school and that sort of thing and he told us he's like, "Your are all of our minds are like a pencil, and law school is the sharpener."
1: So mm-hmm. this is like an, an actual pencil, on one. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and
0: so, in the process of trying to make the lead as sharp as possible, some wood needs to go. So, hmm. your sense of humor is the first thing that gets shaved off. Oh. In, the process of making your <laughs> minds as sharp as possible. And I don't love that. It's ridiculous. Right. <laughs> I'm not going to let my sense of humor go. But, I mean, I think it's true. I think uh, yeah. it's kind of a stereotype of attorneys to not really have a good sense of humor.
1: But right. because
0: we have to look at everything through a certain lens. Yeah. Right? It's hard to, like, just tell a joke. Because then it's, like, right. I don't know. It's hard. So, yeah. Um, what I wanted to do, though, since you know we try and keep humor like forefront in this podcast, mm-hmm. and since this episode is all about humor and jokes and uh, pranks and that sort of thing, is I've got a few jokes here. Um, and, uh, do you know that trend of like actors or comedians like just trying to tell like straight face dad jokes to each other and so yeah. who can laugh or who can hold in their laugh?
1: Hmm.
0: I've got a few here. So, okay. do you have any that you brought? I
1: did. Let me pull them back up. They're on my phone.
0: How many do you did you find?
1: Um, let's see. I saved like six of them.
0: Okay, I only have three. Okay. Three of the best, I think, are the best, and we'll see if you already have seen them.
1: Okay. okay. <laughs> All right. You want to go first? or you want me to?
0: Um. You go first because you have more. Okay.
1: Um so the judge charged the attorney who killed her yoga instructor with premeditated murder. <laughs> That's a good one. I like that um... one a lot. That's so
0: good. <laughs> Murphy's law states that if something can go wrong, it will. Cole's law is just thinly sliced cabbage. Cole's <laughs>
1: law. God, uh, Why don't sharks attack lawyers? Out of professional courtesy. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, God. Because like, they don't taste good.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay.
0: Why don't lawyers trust atoms? Hmm. They make up everything.
1: Mmm. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Uh. <laughs> Let's see this one. You've probably heard this one because we I think we've talked about this before. Uh, but the Golden Retriever didn't make any money at his first law firm. He only worked on pro bono cases. Okay, this one's
0: my favorite one. Justice is a dish best served cold otherwise you end up with just water wait i'm not just i'm not ice. sure
1: <gasps> Justice- oh that one took me a minute i was like i don't get it you have it to read one. it right to tell <laughs> just water <laughs> oh god uh, did you hear about the man who sued an airline company after it mislaid his luggage? Sadly, he lost his case.
0: I didn't. I didn't <laughs> see that one. That's a good one.
1: <laughs> and then, last one I have. Oh, why did the law student go to court wearing a shirt with no sleeves? Because he had the right to bare arms. Ah,
0: bum nice. bum bum.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh yeah. Geez. Oh. <laughs>
0: right well i actually have some legal news for this week
1: Ooh.
0: um this awesome article popped up on my phone unfortunately it is from fox news so
1: oh (laughs) (laughs) but
0: the title is called poop and parody to be argued at supreme court in high stakes intellectual property dispute oh god (laughs) Uh, so here's what's happening jack daniels the whiskey company Mm -hmm. uh claims that this dog toy company called VIP Products has this poop themed toy, and it's damaging its whiskey company's brand by confusing customers. Huh. So, oral arguments were scheduled for March 22nd, and a ruling is expected in June, and it's going to clarify some limits of First Amendment on trademark inf- infringement disputes. So this is specifically federal trademark law by the Lantham Act. Um, yeah. This does not involve the right to publicity because Jack Daniels is not a celebrity, it's a right? Corporation, so yeah. Um, so this, uh, the federal appeals court in San Francisco had ruled in favor of the dog toy company. The uh, company markets dozens of novelty pet products, including the 18 inch bad spaniels. So Jack Daniels bad Spaniels. Mm-hmm. vinyl dog toy it's shaped like a liquor bottle and advertised on its website as silly and fun for everyone um, the high-end whiskey maker in its appeal refers to the toy as poop themed and says the parody product damages its value brand its valuable brand by confusing customers the chew toy has the words old number two <laughs> on your Tennessee carpet a the Jack Daniels phrase old number seven brand. And while the Jack Daniels bottle reveals that it is 40% alcohol by volume, the toys label playfully indicates that it is 43% poo by volume <laughs> and a hundred percent smelly. <laughs> the uh, VIP products says that it's packaging makes clear that this product is not affiliated with Jack Daniels distillery. Yeah. And, uh, They've never sold whiskey or other consumables, nor has it used the name Jack Daniels in any way, humorous or not, it merely mimicked enough of the iconic bottle that people would get the joke. Right. Um, and So actually, in an unusual move, VIP asked the court for permission to submit 10 of its actual Bad Spaniel's toys for the justices to personally examine, even encouraging them to squeak for them, squeak them for effect. <laughs> so this case involves the fair use doctrine the Lantham Act trademark rules Um, they also equate this as somehow being able to impact like fake news versus satire and drawing a clear line there Um, Hmm. when it comes to trademark they use the Rogers test usually which was a 1986 test it's um 1986 case that ruled in favor of more First Amendment protections over mm-hmm. Ginger Rogers when her image was used in a movie, which again mm. kind of is like, I wonder if this was a two-parter of distinguishing between trademark and publicity because that seems right. be a clear violation of publicity. Yeah. So, anyways, that's an an ongoing case that'll be pretty interesting to see what happens there. Yeah. Um, and it leads into my main case of the week, which is something I promised to return to, which is that right of publicity. Hmm. And I <laughs> yeah, I think the secondary theme of uh, poop jokes, apparently, <laughs> <towards> <laughs> the humor, is the name of this case is Carson versus Here's Johnny, Portable Toilets <laughs> Incorporated. <laughs> and this was uh, Court of Appeals for the Sixth Circuit. Uh, hmm. federal court 1983 so this case raised two main questions one is there unfair competition and two is there an invasion of the right of privacy and the right of publicity so this case involves johnny carson the famous comedian host of the tonight Show. Uh, he he was actually the host from 1962 to 1992 hmm. and he was always introduced with the here's johnny yeah. By Ed McMahon. Um, but the actual- oh, see, I didn't even know
1: that. That's where I I think of it as from The Shining. Oh, yeah. interesting. Yeah.
0: Um. So did, I forgot what year The Shining was. I think it was after this. Uh. Well. Yeah. I think it was after this. The Shining. Was mm-hmm. out. So fun fact about Shining couple is number one: Jack Daniels is a volunteer. Or not Jack I'm just talking about Jack Daniel. no, Jack Nicholson is actually, like, a volunteer or was a volunteer firefighter. So mm-hmm. when they first used a prop door, he destroyed it too fast. So they actually had to use mm. a real wood door for him to,
1: like, oh, break wow. it down. Yeah. yeah.
0: And then um, he ad-libbed that line, here's Johnny.
1: Oh, that's cool. And so cool. I'm
0: like, he must have had a page of curse and money
1: after the fact. Right. So I
0: couldn't find any, like, actual um, Yeah. Um, details on that Hmm. Um, so, and I do have, I don't know if we can loop it in but I pulled up some YouTube for the Johnny Carson
1: Mm -hmm. intro, as well as the Shining (laughs) From Hollywood The Tonight Show starring Johnny Carson this is Ed McMahon
0: along with Doc Severson Gentlemen, Here here's johnny (laughs) okay because i thought it was fun anyway yeah um so he was always introduced like that but actually that introduction started back in 1957 when he was doing another daily comedy show on ebc so uh, i believe the tonight shows on nbc Hmm. So th- the phrase even predates The Tonight Show. But okay. that phrase is generally associated with Carson and by a substantial segment of the television viewing public. Um, and then in 1967, Carson first authorized use of this phrase by an outside business venture, permitting it to be used by a chain of restaurants called Here's Johnny Restaurants. Hmm.
1: Um,
0: and then there's also a second plaintiff, um, which is the actual brand, Johnny Carson Incorporated, and it was formed in 1970. And that corporation licensed out the phrase "Here's Johnny" multiple times to different people. Mm-hmm. Um, I also have some fun facts about the Tonight Show. So it was started in 1954. It's the world's longest-running talk show, and the third mm-hmm. longest-running show in general on yeah. NBC, uh, second to like the Today Show and some other news show. Oh, okay. But Carson is the longest running host for thirty years, and but Leno, Jay Leno, actually has the most episodes uh, Hmm. because at the end of Carson's career, he used a lot of guest hosts.
1: Oh, okay. uh,
0: Instead of doing it five days a week, he only did it like three days a week.
1: Oh, gotcha.
0: And then Conan O'Brien has the shortest (laughs) hosting length. Poor Conan. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I kind of like Conan, but oh, I love him. Yeah, well, yeah, I I do agree. So Steve Allen was the first host. um, Mm. And then he also had a few uh, guest hosts that were like regular guest hosts. Okay. And then I feel like I have to also, of course, mention Jack Parr. He was a host for almost five years. Mm. Um, I know a lot of people my grandparents age are familiar with Jack Parr. Mm. Uh, But I think, you know, Johnny Carson's obviously 30 years. Then it was Jay Leno the first time for 17 years followed by Conan O'Brien for seven months and three weeks and one day. And then Jay Leno a second time for another almost four years. And now we have Jimmy Fallon that is Mm -hmm. the host. And I really like Jimmy Fallon, but I can't... I do too. I don't really watch, like, full episodes of The Tonight Show. I just watch, like, little clips. Yeah. Which, actually, I just saw a clip. I don't know how old the clip is, but it was Keenan and Cal, and they were introducing Good Burger, number Mm -hmm. two, so that's really exciting. I Ooh. Hope that still happens. Right. Um, yeah. I don't know if that was a recent one or an old one. Yeah.
1: I don't know, but that would be funny. Yeah.
0: Okay. All right. So those were my fun facts about the Tonight Show. So back to the case. Um, so we have the defendant slash appellee, which is Here's Johnny Portable Toilets Incorporated. It's actually a Michigan corporation. Oh. And it's just a company that rents out portable toilets. Yeah. Um, and they um, stipulated, they're like, yeah, we absolutely used that phrase mm-hmm. because it's a good phrase. Right. <laughs> it's like, yeah, absolutely. And because it and also it's, relates to toilet humor because the, mm-hmm. the John, here's Johnny, right. like it's the play on yep. words. And he also indicated that he coupled the phrase, here's Johnny toilets, with a second one the world's foremost commodion <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> to quote
0: make a good play on the phrase mm-hmm. so he actually started the, the the guy started this company in 1976 and the plaintiffs quickly brought action in 77 this went through several appeals so now we're in like 83 that this is mm-hmm. published so the lower court ordered a dismissal of the complaint by Johnny Carson at mm-hmm. all And uh, they said on the unfair competition claim, the court concluded that the appellants had failed to satisfy the likelihood of confusion test on the right of privacy and the right of publicity theories. The court held that these rights extended only to name or likeness. And here's Johnny. The phrase did not qualify. Mm -hmm. Um, So when we look at number two, likelihood of confusion, that's kind of the same as trademark. Well, it is the same. It's trademark. Yeah, uh, same act, um, and so they use that confusion test. Um, but because this is a specific person, a specific celebrity, we also have to look at the right of publicity. Mm-hmm. So in this case, they agreed that the lower court made the correct decision with the likelihood of confusion test. There was not any clear clear error there, um, but they expanded again right of publicity so if you remember mm-hmm. my other two cases that we discussed which was the new year's eve um guy lombardo and then mm-hmm. um muhammad ali playground yeah. magazine yep it kept expanding it more and more and more so name Im- yeah name image likeness mm-hmm. is like the main theme so yeah. in this case here's johnny even they no one ever tried to argue at least in the opinion and the dissent that johnny mm-hmm. is a, constitutes a name but it's yeah. looking at the whole phrase here's johnny that's okay. not a name it's not right. an image it's not a likeness so with the section 43a lantham act federal trademark law they use the likelihood of confusion test in michigan they quoted a preceding case that set out eight factors that the court has to consider which is Strength of the plaintiff's mark, relatedness of the goods, similarity of the marks, evidence of actual confusion, marketing channels used, likely degree of purch- purchaser care, defendants' intent in selecting the mark, likelihood of expansion of the product lines.
1: Hmm.
0: And I think you, it's kind of... Like, they have licensed out the phrase to be used on, like, apparel and stuff like that. And so, like, here's what he's yeah. like, referring to. Johnny Carson and the show, the toilets are clearly completely separate and right? just like more parody law. Yeah. Or parody in general. Mm-hmm. So um, the courts agreed no general right to, well, they agreed on that. So then we look at the right to privacy and there's a difference too between right of privacy and right of publicity. Mm-hmm. So I believe in one of the earlier episodes, I went into the series that, I forgot the name of the guy, but he's theorist that came up with there's four general laws of privacy Mm -hmm. and the first three are like regarding the right to be left alone Mm -hmm. and then the last one is the right to be free from exploitation of your image so the court said we don't believe that carson's claim that his right of privacy has been invaded is supported by the law or facts Um, The gist of this claim is that Carson is embarrassed by and considers it odious to be associated with the appellee's product. Clearly, the association does not appeal to Carson's sense of humor, but the Mm. facts here presented do not, it appears to us, amount to an invasion of any of the, the interests protected by the right of privacy. In any event, our disposition of the claim of an invasion of privacy right of publicity makes it unnecessary for us to accept or reject the claim of invasion of the right of privacy so they kind of Mm. separated out the two yeah before it was more of like publicity is a variation of privacy and now Mm. they're kind of separating it out yeah So right of publicity has developed to protect the commercial interests of celebrities and their identities. The theory of the right is that a celebrity's identity can be valuable in promotion of products and the celebrity has an interest that may be protected from the unauthorized commercial exploitation of that identity. We believe that on the contrary, the district court's conception of the right of publicity is too narrow The right of publicity, as we have stated, is that a celebrity has a protected pecuniary interest in the commercial exploitation of his identity. If the celebrity's identity is commercially exploited, there has been an invasion of his right, whether or not his name or likeness is used. Carson's identity may be exploited even if his name, John W. Carson, or his picture is not used. And there's actually a very long descent here that basically completely, like it was kind of like reading
1: <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, just went through. The well, dissent was longer than the uh, majority opinion. Oh, wow.
1: Yeah.
0: And, like, just basically ripped through, like, this.
1: This is why you're wrong. wrong. <laughs> yeah.
0: And, yeah. It's interesting because the dissent did kind of, like, briefly touch upon First Amendment protections, but it seemed like the bulk of the issue here was whether or not this even was a violation of their right to privacy. Mm rather than if this was a violation here are some defenses here Mm. are some exceptions to that carve out right it was like no this doesn't even reach that that level of publicity because it's not name image likeness and they kind of okay they kind of just stopped there yeah so it's interesting now if they would i don't know if the plaintiff just didn't or no it would have been the defendant If the defense just didn't raise a First Amendment Hmm, argument. Right. Um, Or if the courts just didn't want to talk about it. Yeah. (laughs) That's probably more likely. Um, So, anyways, this was back in 83, right? I did find an article that was a 2010 update. So, the man behind the corporation is Earl J. Braxton. Mm -hmm. So, Johnny Carson died in 2005. In 2006, Apparently still cherishing his vision of a portable toilet business called Here's Johnny. Almost 30 years after he first thought of it, Braxton tried to register the phrase again with the uh, trademark office. The trademark trial and appeal board held on March 25th. Both Michigan and California do in fact recognize post-mortem rights of publicity, and those rights had passed to Carson's estate. Therefore, all the elements of res. Right, I say this wrong every time. Ray, is it Ray? Ju, res judicata. Res Judicata. I think it's res. Res Judicata. Res judicata. Yep. Judicata. Okay. I think that's not the
1: Latin pronunciation. Probably it's not. American it's American probably language. the Michigan, right? right. <laughs> that's res, how we say it here. Yeah. So res. Like judicata. that Bois
0: So that the phrase means in Latin all the same parties. So this this issue is already argued the same mm-hmm. parties, it's the same case, res judicata, res judicata that was satisfied. So Braxton is yeah. still bound by the original injunction. Okay, so what's even more like this guy, Earl Braxton, is an interesting fellow. So, um, it appears that he'll never realize his life's dream, and that would be sad if their dream were not so ridiculous,
1: <laughs> but according to
0: Braxton's website, which is toilets.com.
1: Okay. he does <laughs> own the trademarks
0: Porta John, Green John, Santa John, Portaloo, and for some reason, Outstanding in the Field. So, that should be some <laughs> cons- cons- consolation, right? So I went to his website cause I'm like, how. Number one, how did he get this URL?
1: Right, that's <laughs> great.
0: You go here though, and it's like, holy shit! He must have purchased this like as soon as the internet was invented. And I don't right. think this web page has been updated since
1: 1983.
0: <laughs> 93, 93, I'm sorry, like, I, I mean, it's got like little, you know, the little tiny like um, images that move.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Whatever was the like a geo there. page type situation. Yes. <laughs> it's absolutely that. It's got oh, little God. American
0: flags. It's got a little cell phone. It, it, it's, it's it's like going back in time, and it also really lists trademarks at the bottom of of everything. And it, this guy is based in Utica, Michigan, mm-hmm. and of course you can. I'm not gonna say. I'm not gonna endorse him, but I'm not gonna
1: not endorse not endorse him, not endorse
0: him right <laughs> i don't have any dealings with them i honestly think that that idea is a great idea and i'm really sad that he lost this case <laughs> so i just think it's hilarious and yeah should stand i mean it's a little bit different than the jack daniel's um, dog toy case because mm-hmm. it doesn't involve that right of publicity and so i yeah. think i think the dog toy company is probably going to win Uh, Mm -hmm. it's like one of the the whole trademark thing too even the right publicity it's with the digital age there's a lot of questions that remain oh yeah yeah so instead of um, a weird law this week i decided to look for some other celebrity phrases that have either been trademarks they're they're trademarked they're actually Mm -hmm. yeah Um, and i'm Man, Business Insider is quickly becoming my favorite website because they have <laughs> some really good articles and even just lists. Mm-hmm. Like, it, I used to love BuzzFeed, but now I'm like, I like yeah. these lists on Business Insider. So, yeah. <laughs> I didn't include all 10 businesses, but um, I, I highlighted a few. So, um, I don't know, maybe you can guess the celeb. I'll give you the phrase, and you can guess the celebrity. Okay. Or vice versa. I don't know. Okay. All right. That's hot. Oh, that's Paris Hilton. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and that apparently only applies to alcohol and apparel. Apparently. Huh. So, and all of these, it's like you can use the phrase, you just can't like throw it on something and try and sell it. Right. And that's where you get. Into yeah. Okay let's get ready to rumble
1: um that has something to do with wrestling right but i don't know who <laughs> yes i didn't who know this it. name
0: either it's michael buffer um and he oh, okay. registered it in 1992 and by selling the rights to his mark to movies and video game makers he made more than 400 million dollars oh my god wow <laughs> yeah so, I mean, I can, use, like I said, I can use all these right now. It's not like I have to pay anyone for this, but yeah, can't sell, can't sell things with it. Right. Oh, this one I did not I did not realize was a trademark. So, this is the word three-peat. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, this is Pat Riley, the former, former Los Angeles Lakers coach. He started using the term in 88 when his team was heading for the third straight NBA title. They actually Hmm. ended up losing in 1988, but they finally accomplished accomplished a three-peat in 1993. Hmm. This one I'm not, I don't think I can be good at replicating it because I don't actually know how it goes, but (laughs) I die.
1: I just, I die?
0: I die. Yeah.
1: I feel like I've heard it, but I don't know from where.
0: Uh, It's Rachel Zoe, and
1: Mm.
0: I feel like she's a I don't know. I don't Is know, it's it
1: spelled D I E or D Y E? D I E. D I E. I die. Interesting, because yeah. she's a fashion person, right? Yes. Okay.
0: Yes, and I don't know. She's had a reality show, and yeah, she's famous. But um, she apparently there's all these rumors that she also trademarked the phrase bananas, like that's banana, that, that sort of thing. <laughs> um, apparently, uh. that was just a rumor. There's no. Trademark yeah. On bananas. Oh, okay. This might need a visual as well, but Bam.
1: Oh, that is um, Guy something, right?
0: emerald Lagasse.
1: Oh, close. You're thinking <laughs> of Guy Fieri. Fieri, yes.
0: Yeah. Flavor Town.
1: Yep. I was in the right him. realm. <laughs> yeah. So
0: Bam is emerald Lagasse. He's like one of the first Food Network stars. Yeah. Um, again, you can still re- uh, use the phrase, but don't try selling any cookware using it. Because that yeah. Is- Huh. A
1: lot of stuff.
0: Yeah. Um, This one's easy. 50 Cent.
1: Just 50 Cent? Yes. I'm assuming 50 Cent. Yes. <laughs> Chris Jackson, <laughs> aka 50 Cent, has trademarked
0: the phrase 50 Cent. And they apparently sued Taco Bell in 2008 when they used it somehow in a commercial. Huh. It was weird. It's like they didn't have a 50 Cent menu, but they had like a 49, 79, and 99 Cent menu.
1: Oh, okay interesting
0: used term... i don't know i have to like look up the right huh the actual thing again. okay and this one i don't know at all fear the brow and raise the brow
1: mm, and that I don't know. is
0: um anthony davis a new orleans hornets basketball player he trademarked the two phrases in june of 2012 and he's known for having a unibrow Apparently. So, mm, okay so he's told cnbc i don't want anyone to try and grow a unibrow because of me and then try to make money <laughs> off of it
1: oh okay because <laughs> you're the one that invented the unibrow yeah, <laughs> you know, uh, Frito, Cabo, right <laughs>
0: oh and then there was a bonus one which was uh blue ivy carter it was mm. trademarked. the name oh my really name by beyonce and jay-z so that other people can't make money off of their baby's name I which guess it's actually just really smart
1: yeah yeah
0: I mean it seems ridiculous to trademark your kid's name but yeah in, in this case I kind
1: of when you're that assume, famous I mean it does kind of make sense right yeah
0: all right well that's all I had for my portion I do have some self-care but we can do that at the end
1: Okay. All right. So for mine, I had, um, I started off with just some fun facts about April Fool's Day. And then I'm going to get into a short case that came out of Michigan. Um, and then a longer case that's kind of crazy. Like, I'm excited Ooh. to share this one. Um, so first, just some fun facts. Um, some people think that April Fool's Day goes back as far as 1582 when France switched over to the Gregorian calendar, which changed New Year's Day from April 1st to January 1st. So the people who still celebrated on April 1st were referred to as the fools who were still celebrating on the old calendar. Um, so they think that's where it comes from. <laughs> Um, Some major mess-ups related to April Fool's Day over the years. Um, In 1986, an Israeli intelligence officer played an April Fool's joke where he reported that an Islamic leader had been seriously wounded in an assassination attempt. So it obviously did not go over well. Um, It caused tensions to flare in the regions, and it almost caused a war to start. So not the best joke to play. Um, In 2003, a Columbus, Ohio employee at a clothing store thought it would be funny to call her boss and tell him that someone was robbing the place by gunpoint uh, obviously the police showed up immediately because he called them um, right away so even though she did call him back like kind of soon after to be like haha it was just a joke the police were already there um, she was ended up arrested for inducing yeah. panic yeah crazy um in 2013 a woman called her sister and said that she'd shot her husband she was cleaning up the mess and she needed her sister to help her bury the body her sister called police which like kind of sucks as a sister like that's not the nicest sister move Uh, right (laughs) (laughs) but her sister called police uh no charges were pressed once her husband came home alive and well and then a Romanian edition of Playboy published an April Fool's joke piece called How to Beat Your Wife Without <gasps> Leaving Prints. So they got a, a oh lot of shit God. for that because not the greatest, not That's the not greatest thing to do. Right. Oh God. <laughs> uh, all right. And then I chose this next case because it's from Michigan. And then when I was looking at it, I'm not going to say the attorney's name, but um, for my own like anonymity. Anim- I hate that word anonymity, to maintain myself as anonymous as possible. There we go. Um, It is an attorney that pops up in my court often, though. He's an older attorney, and this case is from 73. So it was kind of cool to be like, oh, you did that way back then. That's cool. Um, So, yeah. So this is called People v. Crittle. And I'm going to just read from the facts section because I thought that they did a good job of summarizing what happened. So defendant entered a grocery store, pointed a gun at a cashier, saying this is a holdup. The cashier recognized defendant as a customer of two or three months. The cashier asked if he was serious, and he said yes. After she gave defendant the paper money, she laid it on the counter and asked, is that all? She said there was change, and then she got that for him as well. She thought the defendant was going to shoot her. Subsequently, defendant gave back the money, though the owner claimed $40 was missing. And he said that it was an April Fool's joke and asked her if she was okay. Okay. So, he asked and paid for a bottle of beer out of his own money, and then the cashier noted that he slurred his words and staggered out of the store. He had a plastic mask inside his shirt, but he did not use it. So, after notification, the police went to the defendant's house and arrested him. The police smelled alcohol on him and noticed that he was slurring his words, and the defendant told the police and his wife that it was an April Fool's joke. The defendant wound up convicted of robbery, of armed robbery after a jury trial and was sentenced to 25 to 50 years in prison. Um, so now we're on appeal, though. And so the appellate court, they rely on this other Michigan case from way back in 1878, but it's still good law. And it's okay, called People question. v. Walker. Sure.
0: It's got 20 to 30 years. Was that a mandatory minimum?
1: Um, That's or a good that, question. Like, I don't think so early because, early. because it's back in the 70s. Yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah. Um. So in People v. Walker, the court stated that while it is true that drunkenness cannot excuse a crime, it is equally true that when a certain intent is a necessary element in a crime, the crime cannot have been committed when the intent did not exist. In larceny, the crime does not consist in the wrongful taking of the property, for that might be a mere trespass. But it consists in the wrongful taking with felonious intent. And if the defendant for any reason whatsoever indulged no such intent, the crime cannot have been said to be committed. So in Criddle's case, the jury was told you would not be justified in acquitting unless you find that he was not conscious of what he was doing or why he was doing it. And the Michigan Supreme Court just blatantly says this is not the law. Like, that is the quote in the opinion. This is not the law. (laughs) And so they reversed it. And they said, um, in this particular case, the question's not even really about him being drunk. It's did he have the intent, whether he was sober or not, did he actually have the intent to rob this place? um, Or was this all an April Fool's joke? Um, I unfortunately could not find what wound up happening with this one. They never give his first name. Um, so I really had like no way to search it. Um, so I don't know what happened when it, it went back down. Um, but they did reverse it and he basically got a new trial as a result. So hopefully things turned out a little bit differently for him the next time, but yeah, I don't so know.
0: If you run into that guy, you should be
1: like, hey. I should ask him, do you remember <laughs> this? I know it's like 50 years ago, but. <laughs> I'm sure he remembers. I mean. He might. Str-
0: I mean, actually
1: there might be quite a few. <laughs> right. <laughs>
0: this is
1: an ever Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, all right. And so my major one, um, is called, I'm not, I should have looked up how to pronounce this. I think it's Winneres v. Nevada. And this one, um, is a Nevada Supreme Court case. It took, or yes, Nevada Supreme Court court case. There we go. And it took place in 1988. And I'm just gonna go and I really like how they wrote this opinion. So I'm just gonna read straight from it for a lot of this. Um, But Consuelo Winares shot Jacob Winares and killed him. She claims that it was an accident done as part of an April Fool's routine acted out by Jacob and her on April Fool's Day and on at least one other occasion prior to the fatal shooting. Consuelo stands convicted of premeditated first degree murder with the use of a deadly weapon and is serving two consecutive sentences of life imprisonment without possibility of parole consuelo's story goes like this on april fool's day consuelo and jacob decided to play a little joke on their friends jacob thought it would be funny if they were to stage a fake shooting with blank ammunition the couple pretended to be engaged in an argument during which consuelo fired a blank shot at jacob jacob ran down the hall screaming and then fell quote-unquote dead on the floor consuelo fell to her knees over his corpse great fun. April fools. Like that's part of the opinion. I could just picture the person writing this was so tired. (laughs) It was like, I'm tired of this bullshit. Uh, The trick worked so well, according to Consuelo, that they tried it again before the time of the fatal shooting. Jacob did the loading of the gun. On April 22nd, Easter Sunday, they tried it one last time. The day started out happily for Consuelo and Jacob. They enjoyed marital relations together. Consuelo (laughs) prepared breakfast. Which, why that's in here, I don't know. But thanks for letting us know. (laughs) Uh, she worked in the garden and washed and waxed her car. Uh, Consuelo drank beer, a case of it, according to Consuelo's testimony. Friends stopped by. Consuelo that was a says that she very
0: active morning.
1: Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, she says that she was not in any way angry with Jacob, and they had no arguments or other conflicts. In the afternoon Jacob came into Consuelo's bedroom and by her testimony said that he wanted to do their April Fools routine. The plan was to fake an argument about Jacob not waxing the car. Consuelo claims that Jacob handed her the gun and after screaming loudly for the benefit of the guest that he had better go wash the, or he had better go wax the fucking car or she would kill him, Consuelo pulled the trigger. Jacob turned, as before, ran down the hall screaming, and fell to the floor dead. Evidence indicated that four bullets were fired and three bullets uh, struck Jacob. Consuelo testified that she walked past Jacob in the hall, laid the gun down on the kitchen table, and returned to the bathroom to put on her makeup. When she still heard Jacob screaming, she walked back out to him and said, get up, asshole. (laughs) Which, like... (laughs) Oh, God. Uh, Hearing him moan um, and seeing blood, she then realized what had happened. She tried to telephone for help and ran out into the street screaming for help. So the prosecution rejected her side of the story entirely. They said that this was not an April Fool's story and they charged a planned intentional killing on her part. Uh, the prosecution's case cast the episode in a different light. Witnesses for the prosecution testified that Consuelo admitted being angry with Jacob on the day of the killing and testified that Jacob's ex-wife had annoyingly telephoned on that day. One witness testified that Consuelo had in her presence ridiculed Jacob's sexual talents. Another prosecution witness testified that Consuelo did not appear Appear to be intoxicated or under the influence of alcohol. When the shots were heard by the guests, one of them remarked that they should not be concerned because the couple had played this joke before. Later, however, one of the other guests testified to having heard Consuelo say in an quote unquote evil queer voice, it wasn't a joke. Another witness testified that as Consuelo placed the gun on the table, she said, Don't touch the gun. I just shot my husband. I have to call an ambulance. Afterwards, witnesses saw her hysterically screaming outside of the house that she had shot Jacob. Undisputed evidence establishes that Consuelo was intoxicated on that day. Her blood alcohol analysis revealed a 0.19% by weight at 7.20 p.m., approximately two and a half hours after the shooting, which is pretty significant. Severe, right. Yeah, exactly.
0: In
1: one morning, right. One <laughs> um, she did not have her glasses on at the time of the shooting, and her optometrist testified that she could not see clearly beyond four feet. She has always claimed that the shooting was an accident. A reading of these facts leaves the reader without any doubt as to what this case is all about. Is Consuelo telling the truth about the April Fool's joke? The answer to this question tells whether she is a murderer or not. Unfortunately for Consuelo, this question was answered for her by her own doctor, who, when called by the prosecution, testified that, in his opinion, she was a liar and that she murdered her husband in cold blood in a premeditated fashion. Her doctors? Her doctor. Which, that's when I was like, what "What the hell? Right. So, the jury agreed with consuelo's doctor who was a psychiatrist appointed by the court to examine her so basically they did a competency examination and then based on his competency examination he just decided he was an expert at whether or not murder had happened, and then just testified to the jury that there was a murder um so the jury found her guilty of murder in the first degree and they punished her with a life sentence without the possibility of parole So first, the the Court of Appeals says this was clear error to allow a doctor to testify, um, A, that she was lying, but also just testify anything based on information he learned from a confidential psychiatric interview that he did with her. Right. Um,
0: Well, and him saying, I believe she's lying about this specifically, seems to be speculation.
1: Right, exactly. And like... Granted, I'm like, so I I do have a bachelor's in psychology, but I definitely am not like the type of, I'm not an anti-vaxxer. I don't think that I know better than experts, you know? So this man, he does, you know, he has a doctorate in medicine. He probably either has a residency and a fellowship, if not both, in psychiatric medicine. But it just seems to me like you still... You can't be an expert in whether or not a murder happens based on those credentials. Um, So this was very clearly improper. I thought this was crazy. Um, Finally, Dr. Master's testimony was that he believed that Consuelo was a cold-blooded murderer. And it goes to the ultimate issue in this case. And it constituted a highly prejudicial, improper expression of opinion. Um, So then the court backs up a little. It says some explaining is in order to show how this all could have possibly even happened. uh, A defendant being convicted at their hands of their own physician. So Dr. Master was called in as one of two psychiatrists appointed by the court at the request of defense counsel. Apparently defense counsel finding his client in a very disturbed emotional condition asked the court to appoint two psychiatrists in order to have professional opinions on his client's sanity at the time of the shooting. So competency Uh, criminal responsibility, basically, and then whether his client was mentally competent to stand trial, which would be the other type of competency. So he was really going for both here. So the court appointed two different psychiatrists to examine her, and they concluded that she was not mentally incapacitated or that she was sane at the time of the shooting, and also that she was mentally competent to stand trial. So after receiving the report of the examination by Dr. Master and the other psychiatrists, the trial proceeded. No defense of insanity was raised. The defense did not call Dr. Master. In fact, they um, or they did call a psycho- a psychologist, not a psychiatrist, uh, a Dr. Trione to testify on the fact that alcohol would have to testify as to the effect that alcohol would have on a person at the time of the shooting. And his testimony had stopped there, but then the prosecutor took this as kind of like opening the door to talk about her psychiatric issues to the jury, and that's when they turned around and called Dr. Masters, um, basically as a a rebuttal to the other doctor's testimony. Defense counsel went beyond the defense of accident and mistake and asked Dr. Trion if a person like Consuelo, one wing what she did and having consumed the amount of alcohol that she did would be capable of premeditation or deliberation. So again, then the prosecutor calls this other doctor to say, yes, she would have been capable of that basically because the defense had one doctor saying no. So the prosecutor brings up this other doctor saying yes, but then he goes too far. Um,
0: well, it seems to me, it depends on who loaded the gun, because it.
1: In part, you would think, yeah. Yeah,
0: because it sounded like the victim loaded the gun, and said, right here, let's do this. And you said that there were four shots, and he got hit by three bullets. Yeah. So did he know that there were there were there was only one blank and then three live? Right. And he I, only that's he not clear. At like, right. That's what it kind of sounds like to me. And then yeah, like, well, if she's drunk, and she's just handed the gun, and you say, "Here, shoot me with it."
1: Right. Yeah, yeah, I'm not that part's so, not clear. Yeah. But I'm I think that's what happened. That's that makes sense. Um the crucial question in this case was the prosecutors asking Dr. Master to describe the state of mind of the defendant at the time of the offense. Um the defense did object to this, but they were allowed um To go ahead and testify to this anyway, and they describe the court describes this as opening up a chamber of horrors that culminated in the jury's being told by a court certified expert that his patient was a liar and a murderer, asking the doctor to testify as to her state of mind, permitted comment on a wide array of damning testimony. Although, as said, sanity was never an issue. The doctor testified that she had the ability to know right from wrong and, in essence, was perfectly sane at the time of the shooting. Worse, he described her as. Social, as an histrionic, as a liar, and as a murderer. Unlike the testimony of the psychiatrist called by, or the psychologist called by the defense, Dr. Master did not testify in terms of a hypothetical person, rather, he gave his clinical impression of Consuelo herself. And so then they look back at this other case called McKenna, and they say, in that case, we condemn the presentation by a psychiatrist of admissions of guilt made by a defendant using the uh, psychiatric interview and examination. The admission made by McKenna related to commission of the criminal act itself, the actus reus, rather than the mens rea. The issue in the case before us is not the act, but the intent. Consuelo's intent in this case is just as important a part of her guilt or innocence as it was the question of whether McKenna did or did not not inflict a mortal wound on his cellmate. If Consuelo had admitted flatly to Dr. Master that she had intentionally killed Jacob, there would be no distinction at all between this case and McKenna. The only difference between the present case and one involving a direct admission is that Dr. Master's testimony that Consuelo was lying and had in fact murdered her husband comes not from a single statement admission, but rather from a composite of the statements made by Consuelo in her psychiatric interview. In McKenna, we said that the testimony of Dr. Master telling the admissions made by McKenna about his, I guess it is the same, Uh, Stopping. It says in parentheses the same. So it was the same doctor, too, in both these cases, which is crazy. Um, In McKenna, we said that the testimony of Dr. Master telling the admissions made by McKenna about killing his cellmate could not, in fairness, be used to convict him. So I'm kind of like, I'm sorry. Now that I I didn't even realize this until I was just reading it out loud. But this is two strikes against the psychiatrist. When do you lose your license at this point? (laughs) Like, I'm sorry. But, like, I mean... Oh, that's yeah, because, so frustrating. I, mean,
0: like, I can understand why her credibility is called into question, right? But then why? Yeah. Why aren't they calling witnesses to testify right. about her past credibility? Why are they relying right. on a, a doctor's one psyche eval that he has? Exactly. It's
1: very strange. Yeah. Um, concerning the use of admissions made in the course of a psychiatric examination, we said that fair play does indeed dictate that our trial courts not appoint a psychiatrist to examine the accused and then apply the confidential contents of that interview to obtain a conviction. In McKenna, factual admissions of McKenna's criminal agency were used to establish his guilt, whereas the entire interview of Consuelo with Dr. Master was used by him to establish her guilt. To borrow additional language from McKenna, Dr. Master was allowed to examine the accused and then apply the confidential contents of the interview to to obtain a conviction. In doing this, there was, as in McKenna, a violation of federal constitutional rights to due process, and we are obligated to apply again the test of Chapman v. California. To affirm this conviction, and we must be able to de- declare that the constitutional error was harmless beyond a reasonable doubt. And this we cannot do. As a final basis for reversal, we specify Dr. Master's expression of opinion as to Consuelo's guilt or innocence. The doctor's diagnosis... Oh, there's a baby. There's a puppy baby. Uh, The doctor's diagnosis of Consuelo as a murderer goes considerably beyond the bounds of permissible expert opinion. Dr. Master was not asked, doctor, in your opinion, based on your examination of her, is she or is she not guilty of murder? But his testimony comes very close to answering that question. We hold that it was clear error to permit. Dr. Master under the guise of describing her mental state to give to the jury based on his psychiatric examination an expert opinion that the woman he examined now before the bar of justice was plainly and simply a murderer who killed her husband in cold blood in a premeditated fashion. Such a usurpation of the jury function by a qualified expert is undeniably of itself reversible error. So then they turn around and they reverse her. They give her a new trial basically.
0: yeah.
1: So she goes through one trial. She's convicted based on Dr. Master's testimony. This goes all the way up to the Nevada Supreme Court. And then it goes back down to the trial court to do a second trial. All right, so then we're back at the second trial. So Consuelo was then tried a second time on October 24th of 1989. While the jury in the second trial was deliberating, it had occasion to view the clerk's notes from the first trial, obtaining or containing the original verdict of first-degree murder with use of a deadly weapon and the sentence of life in prison without the possibility of parole. How did the they get document, that? so the document was found in a box of exhibits erroneously quote-unquote placed in the jury room during the guilt phase of the trial where it was seen by some jurors and briefly discussed which was it erroneously placed there was this an accident i don't know i'm real suspicious but supposedly it was accidentally given to the jury the jury then found her guilty again of first degree murder Near the end of deliberations and during the penalty phase of the trial, the foreman requested to see the erroneously admitted document the jurors had seen during the guilt phase deliberations. Uh, This brought the matter to the district judge's attention, and his initial reaction was that he must declare a mistrial. However, the jury, they pulled the members of the jury, and all of them denied knowledge of the document, even though someone had brought the document to the judge's attention. So this doesn't add up. Right. But basically, it goes back up all the way to the Supreme Court again oh and they reverse it a second time Good. and they okay. set her back for a third trial. And
0: so... at this point, the prosecution <laughs> throws out the charges and says, You would hope.
1: This. You would think so. <laughs> but no, they try her a third time on this. And this time she was convicted, but of second degree murder. Okay. Um, well, and a little bit more appropriate. yeah, and now she is seventy six years old. She is on parole. Um, I believe she's been on parole since two thousand and three. And in two thousand nine, she did ask to be pardoned of the crime, uh, but that request was denied.
0: And, you know, it's weird because so. like I can see it easily. But like, is it possible that she premeditated this murder? Yeah, I can see that. But yeah.
1: like,
0: I don't know. I think there's definitely a reasonable doubt there.
1: Oh, I do too. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm surprised they got three convictions. But yeah. yeah. Insane. This was a crazy one. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, right. The
0: question really comes to mind is like, did she drink a case of beer to like work up the courage and like right. add to her defense?
1: Yeah, could she,
0: be. Did she just drink a case of beer and then this tragic accident
1: happened? Right. I think kind of what you said is my opinion on it, that like, he probably only put one blink in the gun, yeah. either didn't realize that there were bullets in the gun or thought that it was empty, you know, gave it to her, expected her to only shoot at him once, and then she's drunk, so she just goes crazy, shoots four times. I think she really did think that they were blanks, based yeah. on how she reacted initially. Um, and then as soon as she figured out that he was actually bleeding, she starts flipping out. Um, so I, I do think it was accidental. I think even second degree murder is a hard one. I would say like manslaughter Manslaughter. maybe, Mm -hmm. um, because uh, she was still being reckless at the end of the day. Like, this is not something that you should be doing as a joke. Um, but I, I don't think it rises to the level of murder. I just don't think there's that intent there yeah
0: that's a good story though
1: yeah all right did you have some self-care for us
0: Uh, oh i did okay so this is benefits of laughter according to the mayo clinic so a good laugh has some great short-term effects when you start to laugh it doesn't just lighten your your load mentally it actually induces physical changes in your body laughter can stimulate many organs Laughter enhances your intake of oxygen-rich air, stimulates your heart, lungs, and muscles, and increases the endorphins that are released by your brain. Ooh, endorphins, just like Hmm. exercising.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) Um,
0: It also can activate and relieve your stress response. A rollicking laugh fires up and then cools down your stress response, and it can increase and then decrease your heart rate and blood pressure. The result is Hmm. a good, relaxed feeling
1: that's interesting because i have always like when i get really nervous if i have like a speech to give or like in the my teenage days when i would like perform music mm-hmm. um i always wanted someone to make me laugh before i did it like i just kind of inherently knew that that would help me i didn't know like the reasons yeah, why I've had but
0: tell me just like fake a laugh even yeah fake laughing can give you the same responses. Right. Um, I've got a couple other short-term effects here. Um, Soothe tension. Laughter can also stimulate circulation and aid muscle relaxation, both of which can help Hmm. reduce some of the physical symptoms of stress. Yeah. Uh, And then I have a few long-term effects. Uh, Laughter can improve your immune system. Negative thoughts manifest into chemical reactions that can affect your body by bringing more stress into your system and decreasing your immunity. By contrast, positive thoughts can actually release – neuropeptides that help fight stress and potentially hmm. more serious illnesses. And this is from the Mayo Clinic. So I mean, this yeah, is legit. Um, right. It can also relieve pain. Uh, laughter may ease pain by causing the body to produce its own natural painkillers. It can increase personal satisfaction. It makes it easier to cope with difficult situation. And it also helps you connect with other people. And lastly, it can improve your mood, Many people experience depression, sometimes due to chronic illness. Laughter can help lessen your stress, depression, and anxiety, and may make you feel happier. It can also improve your self-esteem. Hmm.
1: Fun. All right. Well, I think that's it for us this week. If you want to reach out to us, we do have an email address, Podcast at gmail.com. Um, we are also on Instagram at podcast podcastcourtjusters, so you can follow us there. We do have listener support set up now that Informations in our show notes. Um, We also have, I believe, it's called Buy Me a Coffee. Um, If you're looking for a way to donate, we would love that. It helps us to get uh, new equipment upgrades and hopefully one day do things like get uh, research subscriptions and so on, so that we can get more information on the cases that we we discuss. So and and coffee. Uh, um all right but that's it for us this week if you like the show also feel free to rate and review us Uh, that definitely helps us get pushed out to more listeners as well
0: and the more listeners we have the more likely that the chance of me quitting my day job goes up
1: (laughs) yes all right so we will see you next week Bye. bye